We're going to, uh, I should say, I'm going to attempt something. Yeah, y'all got it now, man. We, uh, do you still have time to run? I, I guess you do, uh, you know, if you, if you wanted to. I, uh, I'm going to attempt this, several things, okay? So, you know, we're, we're multitasking, okay? I still have my keys in my pocket. Normally, whenever I still have my keys in my pocket, I fiddle with them. So I'm going to try not to fiddle with them, okay? Plus, we have new software, so I am in control of the slides. So it's to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to help because y'all know that I ramble a lot, and it's difficult for Andrew and them to keep up with me. So hopefully I can keep up with myself, okay? So whenever I'm talking about something... I will be able to go ahead and punch the button to get to, the, to where I'm talking about. So it helps y'all out a little bit. Uh, you know, so let's see how we do with this. Uh, you know, we are uh, you know, still looking at Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is in the process of helping us to construct a foundation of hope. In the meantime, uh, you know, he is also trying to reconstruct Jerusalem. So he's trying to build, uh, you know, rebuild Jerusalem. And you remember last week, whenever we talked about this, uh, you know, is that's whenever he got the bad news, uh, you know, that Jerusalem was in horrible shape. Uh, you know, the walls were torn down, the gates were burned up, and since they had no walls and no gates to be able to close the city off and to protect themselves, they were constantly being. Um, uh, you know, taken over, uh, you know, so it was like the people that were there, they would get a little bit and they would get a, a good crop that would be growing and then somebody would come in and would just simply steal it and destroy it, uh, you know, so we kind of put them back, uh, you know, so we, uh, you know, we had that process and, uh, you know, we looked at that, so what we're going to do tonight is, is we're going to take a look, okay, uh, you know, as far as creating opportunities or creating a window of opportunity. Now, whenever we look at this, I want us to I want us to think about this because we are we are creating the windows of opportunity, but yet God is still in control of those opportunities. It's kind of like this morning, how this morning we were talking about the fact of the call or the fact that the call, uh, you know, was a part where we have to take part in the salvation process. That there is something that we must do. Uh, you know, yes, the gift is given to us, and it's freely given to us by God. But we have to do something. Uh, you know, we have to recognize who we are. We have to recognize our lost. We have to recognize that we are uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the terminology that might help you out a little bit, but we are deprived. And not only are we deprived, but we are totally deprived, as in salvation is given to us, but there's nothing that we can do for it except for accept it. There's nothing that we can do for it, but we still have to do something to get it. Does that make sense for us? I haven't muddied the water yet, have I? Good, good. Because we're going to be looking at Nehemiah, and we're looking at Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, and here we have, we're going to go from chapter 2, 
down to chapter 8. So, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. That's 1. Early the following spring, in the mountains of Nassau, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never appeared sad in his presence. He had never appeared sad in his presence. Now, believe it or not here, Nehemiah is building windows of opportunity. He is making himself available. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors were buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I do also, I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territory on my way to Judea. And please give me a letter addressed to the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. Timber, I will need to make the beams for the gates of the temple, for the, the temple fortress for the city's walls and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. So we're thinking about windows of opportunity. Nehemiah is, is really pretty smart because we know that Nehemiah is going to rebuild Jerusalem. But he doesn't tell King Artaxerxes that that's where he's going. He simply tells him that he is going to Judea and he is going to his ancestor's town where his family was buried. Why is that key to us? Well, it's key because the governors that he just asked for letters to be sent to, giving him permission to travel through there, the governors had already written a letter to the king and told them not to allow the rebuilding of Jerusalem ever because the people of this city were always rebellious of the empires. So in other words, do not allow the Jewish people to come back and to build themselves up to where they would have any type of authority. Because if they do, you're going to regret that day because they will turn on you. And they will begin to do their own thing. They will rebel against your empire. Huh, it's pretty wise, isn't it? He gets what he needs without specifically saying where he needs it. And there's the reason for it. How many of you have ever went to your parents and asked if you could go spend the night at somebody's house, knowing that you were not going to be at that person's house, but knowing that your parents would allow you at that house, but not the house that you really wanted to go to? 
huh? If all of us don't shake our heads or don't agree with this, then I think we need to have another altar call. We've done it. No. Oh, my goodness. So I have a group of goody two-shoes in here. Because I tell you, I have. I've already told you all the stories about how I manipulated the trip to get to the grocery store uh, you know, that my mom and dad told me not to go to. They said, don't go on this road to get to the store. So I didn't, but I still went to the store. Uh, you know, we, I've, I've done that. Uh, you know, but the thing about it is, is that we also do that to God. Come on. We ask God to do something. Peggy's here tonight, so I can do this. Remember, I told y'all that I have prayed for God to change Peggy. But y'all remember, come on now, y'all have to protect me some. Because in that message, I also said that through that prayer request and stuff, I learned that it was more about God changed me, not to change her. Uh, you know, but see, we try to manipulate things, and we try to do things and have them to work out in our favor. My wife, Peggy, she loves flowers. I really don't understand why she loves dead flowers, but she likes, she likes for me to put flowers into a little water vase, and they last for a couple of weeks, and then they're all drooped over, and, and we got to throw them away. For a while, I would get her flowers, periodically, not too, too often, but it was because I did something wrong. See, I have some flowers, honey. I love you, and I know, back in her mind, she's like, okay, what did he do? She's looking around the house. We have the tendency as human beings and as, as people, that we, we do things to get our way. Now, Nehemiah was saying things in no uncertain terms so that he would be able to go to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. He knew if he would have said, I need to go and rebuild Jerusalem, that the king would not have allowed him to go. Not only did he get the approval to go and rebuild Jerusalem, the king agreed to give him all the wood that he needed to refortify or to fortify the Jerusalem so that they could continue in building it. And, and he also got the wood to rebuild his own home. That's pretty good, isn't it? Now, for us, result to manipulation. But Nehemiah, I believe, I feel did not turn to manipulation. Nehemiah studied. Nehemiah prepared. See, remember, we're talking about creating windows of opportunity. If we listen to the people in front of us that's talking to us, they will tell us what they need without specifically telling us what they need. Women and men. Women from Venus, men from Mars. We speak different languages, but men, if we truly listen to the women, they're telling us exactly what they want. The problem with it is, is that we don't listen. And why don't we listen? Because we're from Mars. And at Mars, we fix everything. On Venus, they just talk about everything. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. Good idea. Good idea. But we can't. We, we can't miss the fact that throughout Nehemiah's life, he was creating windows of opportunity. Because what was his job? He was a cupbearer. 
And he got the job of being a cupbearer. Why? Because he was trustworthy. Now, I had a young lady managed Radio Shack. And I had this young lady that uh, we hired her. She came in and within the first month, she missed three days of work. First day she missed, she might have been sick. Second day that she missed, we found out that she went skiing. The third day that she missed, I told her to get right back in your car and go home. Now, she might have been sick. It might have been legitimate. But whenever she went skiing, instead of working, she was not building windows of opportunities. So, you all know that I was a custodian at a high school. My very last class for uh, school of, uh, you know, Carolina of school of, no, this wasn't Carolina of school of, this was actually uh, NBC for my ordination. I had a 750-word paper that was due at midnight on Sunday, and I had been having pains in my side all day long. Didn't know what it was, just uncomfortable, uh, you know, so here I am, uh, you know, 1030, I'm sitting at the table trying to write this paper, 1130, I'm still trying to write this paper, about 1145, I lay out on the, on the living room floor and I stretch out. And it felt like somebody stabbed me with a knife. It just went through. I was like, oh. I go wake Peggy up. I'm like, hey, we got to go to the hospital. Something's wrong. So I go back to the table. I, I had 500 and some odd words left. It, yes, don't say anything. I'd been working on it for about four hours, and that's all I had. That Just take it. That's all I had. So I typed in there. I said, I'm sorry, I can't finish it, but I have to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. Found out that I had appendicitis. By 4 o'clock that morning, that next morning, I was in the, in the surgery room having emergency appendicitis. So I have a good 3-inch scar that's right here. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I had that. Now, I'm getting there. I'm getting where I'm going. I was a head custodian. I was supposed to be out of work for three weeks. Two weeks into it, I was bored half to death. And a snowstorm came through. So the school was closed down. And they were complaining because they have to open up in a couple of days. So I went to work. Now, what are you not supposed to do whenever you have stomach issues? You're not supposed to lift anything. So what was I doing? I was shoveling snow. But any time that I asked to be off, they said, no problem. Whatever you need, you go. Building windows of opportunity. Building a lasting thought are a lasting part within this society that we're in, that we are trustworthy. So whenever we ask for time off or we ask for something, we're more apt to get it. Nehemiah also did something else that a lot of times we forget. Nehemiah steeped his life in prayer and fasting. Nehemiah was found to be honorable in the midst of a kingdom of pagans. But yet he was not ostracized because of the God that he worshipped. He was trustworthy. So whenever we look at this and we think through this particular passage of Scripture, you know, we have to begin to understand that we, and whether or not the windows of opportunities are open to us. Now, what windows of opportunity would I be talking about? I'm going to allow you to generate those windows. Because those windows of opportunity that we as Christians can be building is the simple fact or the simple uh, you know, process that our neighbor 
has a need, then they would come to us because we have created the windows of opportunity. We have created the trust. They know who we are. They know our beliefs. And they know that there's results where we are. We have built windows of opportunities. It could be that we pray to God and we ask God for the opportunity to witness to someone today. If you've ever prayed that prayer, I would warn you, be ready. Because that window and that opportunity will present itself as long as we are ready and we're watching. Creating windows of opportunity. These are times uh, you know, that we need to remember that there is a balance within this process. There are things that we must do, but there are things that we must leave in God's hands. There's things that we must do, and there's things that we must leave in God's hands. Our problem is, is that we can't leave them in God's hands. Why can't we leave them in God's hands? Because He's too slow, right? I know I say that, and I know that we always say that God's always right on time, but on our time frame, most of the time, He's too slow. We're like, God, I have this issue and it needs to be taken care of and you're not doing anything, so now I'm going to do it. Windows of opportunities. I don't know if I told you this or not, but I'm going to tell it to you even if I told it to you again. Glorietta, New Mexico, in between my junior and senior year. We go there on our, senior, on our uh, church trip and I'm sitting in the back of the audience of the congregation. There's about 14,000 teenagers in Glorietta, New Mexico for this, you know, for this summer camp. Remember, I had the girl that was sitting next to me. And for some reason, I left that girl and I went to the altar. Not, not for some reason. I know the reason. Went to the altar. Accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. My best friend didn't do it during the camp. Knew that he was still lost. I had him for 14 hours on a 15 on a 53 passenger bus. 14 hours. Every opportunity I got, I had a Bible and I was reading to him and preaching to him. I said, "You've got to ask Jesus into your heart." I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. I think somewhere around hour 8, he finally said, "Well, okay. If you'll leave me alone, I'll pray." His literal words. I took it as a victory. Yes. And I prayed with him to receive Jesus as his Savior. Never came back to church again. Never sat with me in the cafeteria at lunch. Never talked to me on the hallways at school. It was not a window of opportunity that was built. It was something that I tried to manufacture because I couldn't wait on God. There are times that we run more people away from God because we do not allow God to orchestrate the timing. There's a lot of times that we push people away because we want it now and not whenever God wants it. I, I, I've taught a class about evangelism, and I know that I have told y'all this before, that whenever we first begin a conversation with someone uh, you know, that is lost, it's a one-way highway. And that highway is not from you to them, it's from them to you. You get to know everything that you possibly can about them. You find out about where they work. You find out about their family. You find out about their habits. You find out about their hobbies. You find out about their struggles. And eventually, they will look at you and they'll say, Man, I'm struggling with this and I've seen you go through this. How did you handle it? You have built the windows. 
of opportunities. And if we allow God to be with us, they will open at the right time. You know, Diane, Diane Harrelson, she's, she's been praying for her husband for a long time. We finally see that he's been sober for over a month now, right? Our tendency at this point in time, but if we're not careful, we'll push him back away. God's working. We don't know why Jerry quit drinking, but God's working. We've got to continue to let God work, but we've got to be ready that whenever the time comes that we step in and we take that window of opportunity. Nehemiah was with the king, his cupbearer. He listened to the things that was going on in the room. He studied the things and he says, hey, God, I think now is that opportunity that you were presenting before me. Notice the words. It says this is the first time that he had been sad in front of the king. The first time. How many days in the week do you go to your boss sad? Much less the first time in many years. It had been so long that he had been there that the king knew that there was something that was up. I know that Booger kind of jokingly says this, but he says he, he showed up to work one time sober, and they thought he was drunk, so they fired him. Y'all have all heard that. But see, Nehemiah had built the relationship. Whenever he came in that day, the king knew. And because Nehemiah was in communication with God, Nehemiah knew that the time was right. Nehemiah knew because he had been building windows of opportunity. As we build God's kingdom, we have to make sure that we are creating windows of opportunities. But we have to have the balance that we allow God to show us when those windows of opportunities are open. And I've lost connection, so Andrew, can you go to that last slide? Because the window's open. If we do this right, if we listen to God and we prepare ourselves... We will know exactly when the windows of opportunities are open for us. But we have to be ready to step in. Can I say that the most difficult thing with this is, is with our children. Knowing when the time is right and when it's not. Because we so badly want them there with us. But we cannot force it. We have to allow God to open up those windows. But we have to be prepared. We really do. We have to be prepared. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, dear Lord, for today. Uh, you know, God, this evening, I thank you for this service. And God, I thank you for your spirit being here. Uh, you know, and God, as we have talked about windows of opportunities, God, I pray, dear Lord, that you will begin to work in our lives. And God, that we would see the windows open. And God, not only that we would see them, but we would step through them and we would do the work that you would have for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember the announcements. Uh